This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 28th of July. And as always, I'm accompanied by my co-host who apparently, according to the second article to talk about, should have a much more stringent interview process, uh, especially considering this whole YouTube thing we're doing now. But anyway, hi, Dave. And I thought you were going to say that I've been recently acquired. <laughs> um, I don't really care. I don't pay. For, I don't pay you as far as I know. So if you get acquired, that shouldn't make a difference. I hope. Ish. <laughs> uh, of course, of course, it's a glorious news episode where we find fine gems across the internet that are vaguely related to things that we talk about. <laughs> we talk about them. Okay, I didn't even know we had a strategy behind them. Yeah, um, just explain it to you. Just think of any PSAs. I don't think so. So we can just go to the first article, I guess. And that's not Indeed. the article. That's our web page. First article Which is, is awesome. You should definitely uh, go there. Definitely. But the first article is a acquisition thing, a acquire thing. It's nothing natural about it, as the press release from Rancher indicates a bit further down the line there. But apparently, a couple of weeks ago, Sousa decided to acquire Rancher Labs. Now, I've been in touch, well, not in touch, but I've um, had dealings with Rancher as a software package in my professional life over the last couple of months. It did kind of feel that they got more traction, more people were starting to use it. Um, did you see it on the radar anyway? Yeah, definitely. So Rancher is definitely one of those... One of those technologies that you started to see not only gaining adoption, but actually like people enjoyed using it. Um, but the the sort of the punchline on this one, I think, is like most people read this and were surprised that Sousa wasn't being acquired by someone else yet again <laughs> for about the fifth or sixth time and, and had to actually parse the, the header a number of times before they understand that, no, no, Sousa was actually purchasing something. Um, I'm not being bought. So, I mean, it is obviously a very, very clear, and yeah, Jan has uh, found the the relative <laughs> relative step in the uh, in the press release. But this is a clear move by Sousa to start to try and find a way to play with the cool kids and uh, you know get out of the uh, tired old fuddy duddy area of schlepping around just Linux and. Um, a bit of virtualization and things like that. I mean, they they pulled out of all things OpenStack related about, a, I want to say about a year ago. It's been and a while. Had to, yeah, and cut, you know, cut a load of people at that point. Um, they sort of, they've been looking for something, you know, clearly to, to change the way that they uh, they are seen and portrayed and used within enterprises, and this uh, this step you know, with Rancher clearly trying to move into the cloud first Kubernetes hmm. um, area, make themselves more relevant and get themselves some more traction. And yeah, I'm sure they're going to pour yet a lot more investment into uh, what they've done so far. Yeah, because. I mean, you mentioned the fact uh, that I was surprised that Sousa wasn't being purchased, but if, if I'm not mistaken, they're on, owned by a deep pocket investment uh, company kind of things. And those typically only sell something when it's 
pretty much dead or a good prophet. And at the moment, I don't see Sousa as being dead. Uh, you're right, they need something to become more relevant, definitely. And I definitely don't think they can be sold off for a big profit now because they have been kind of been living in obscurity, maybe even. <laughs> I mean, it's mm. been a big change for them because... I remember when I was working at Silicon Graphics and they had their first Linux systems because Silicon Graphics used to have IRIX, a Unix derivative, and then they went uh, open sources with uh, Linux things. And there was a clear delineation that everything sold in the US came with Red Hat and everything sold in Europe came with SUSE because SUSE had more acceptance, let's say, as being a non-US company, because they were German then. I'm assuming they're still somewhere rootish, rooted in Germany-ish. But then at a certain point, they disappeared. And to be honest, I don't really know why. I mean, I think they, they weren't investing at the same level as most of the other sort of Linux distributions, they weren't at the cut. And again, all, all of this is my personal opinion. Sure. They, they were not at the, they were not at the cutting edge of what a lot of the other Linux vendors were doing. They, they weren't as aggressively moving into other areas. Um, I, I mean, I always used to, and to a certain extent still do categorize the Linux distributions of, if you've got plenty of money to throw around, um, and you really care about certifications, then you'll probably go Red Hat. If you are sort of very focused on um, either sort of desktop ease of use, which is not really a thing at large scale, then maybe you'll look at Ubuntu. If you're looking at free stuff on the cloud, then very often you'll be looking at Ubuntu. If you're looking at... Um, um, if you're looking at something that looks, smells, and feels like Red Hat, but you don't want to pay for it, you'll be looking at CentOS and derivatives. <laughs> and if you're looking at, um, uh, if you want certifications for enterprise proprietary software, but you don't want to pay anywhere near the Red Hat money, then you'll probably be left with SUSE. That was pretty much how I used to, and to a certain extent still do. And there are plenty of other options in this. Like there's, there's still a very strong, um, you know, Debian movement. If you're looking at, uh, yeah. if you're looking at a very open source focused. Um, Governments, universities, you know, things. Yeah. Research. Yeah. And that's, that's sort of clearly very true, but this is all, and I can see, you know, so even as I was talking about this, Yon sort of, coming up and, and frowning horribly at some of my opinions. And these are opinions based on data at the time. So mm -hmm. like, I'm sure this has all moved on as well. But certainly at one time, the most widely deployed OS on all, my, on all of the public clouds was Ubuntu, for example. So, um, and it was, it was orders of magnitude higher than CentOS and, and others. So that's, that's just kind of how I categorize them. And I think SUSE just, they just weren't far enough ahead. They just weren't, um, you know, they weren't exploring some of these other alternatives. Mm -hmm. And it really didn't have, it really didn't help that they went through, um, you know, not a particularly great sort of experience with, um, you know, being 
bought and sold a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's lovely. Yeah, each time it slows it down. Each time it's uh, it's sort of it's going to change the strategy. There's going to be a bunch of people leave. There's going to be a bunch of new direction. Yeah, so yeah, I think they, I think they had some cool, uh, some cool tech there, and I think there were some very very good people there, and probably almost certainly still are. But I think they have for quite a while now been relegated to a relatively bit part player and I do think that Rancher, the acquisition of Rancher Labs is a is an interesting direction for them and I'm kind of curious as to what happens next, like are they going to make a few more cool, you know, cloud native company acquisitions in this space, are they going to sort of you know move away from their their current uh, sort of are they going to do a total rebrand like um oh who were the um who were the docker automation folks that rebranded themselves to d2iq um mesosphere like mesosphere oh. completely um you know rebranded themselves a short well not a short while ago a little while ago now to D2IQ trying to completely divorce themselves from the the previous kind of Mesos um, ecosystem that they still found themselves very much chained to. So, like, could SUSE go down that path? I don't know. I don't think there's still a lot of brand recognition on SUSE. I mean, good or bad as it might be, there's still some value. I mean, I think at the moment most of the value is in the name, basically, because if you look at open source projects that were spawned by SUSE, there's little or none out there. I mean, that's, I think, the reason that Sandals and Red Hat got more attention and, as you said, are at the head of the technological top. Because things like yeah. um, the SA Linux, um, the RPM, and the new thing, I forget the name, damn it, I've just been playing with it like yesterday. What's the new thing instead of Yum and RPM you now have? DNF? Yeah, DNF, thanks. Or you talk. Yeah, so that all comes from yeah, Santos, I mean, you... from uh, Red Hat Labs, so yeah. Yeah, they don't have control of how the evolution I, happens. I was just looking at their their history. So they were you know, acquired by Novell, then they were acquired by Attachmate, then they were acquired by Microfocus and merged, and then they were then they acquired Open Attic. They acquired a sort of the HPE OpenStack stuff. Then they burnt all of that. <laughs> then they. Then they were acquired or sold to EQT Partners, which was the deep deep pockets uh, yeah. firm you were talking about earlier. And then they acquired um, Rancher Labs. So yeah, it's. Yeah. So what do you think? Is the Rancher thing going to put it back into the limelight? Is that going to make them relevant again? I mean, for me, it's an obvious reaction to Red Hat's uh, OpenShift uh, weight because OpenShift is. Uh, like it or not, a big uh, weight in the whole containerization world today. We're looking, dear listeners, to get a bit more depth on OpenShift soon. Keep tuned for that. Subscribe, and then you won't miss that. Uh, sorry, we need to get this uh, YouTube habit in there. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, OpenShift is very important. A lot of people using it for the containerization platform. Rancher mm-hmm. is similar in vain. It's not, it's not entirely, you can substitute one for the other. 
but the same thing, Rancher is a orchestration layer for deploying Kubernetes environments on top of SaaS services, whatever, even OpenShift. <laughs> so so here's, here's, my, here's my particularly, my totally uninformed hot take is I feel that like Rancher is like small, nimble sports car. Like it will do a few things very well, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have all of the features and functionality. I feel like OpenStack is a giant RV. <laughs> like, maybe like, or maybe the merger between an, an, a, a, a huge RV and a Hummer. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, my totally uninformed opinion, but uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. But it's it's an interesting move. I can definitely understand why they're doing it. Um, and yeah, as Jon's put the uh, the post back up, it, it's clearly they, and even acknowledged here that it's a first step in their inorganic growth strategy, i.e. it's not natural necessarily, <laughs> or it's not naturally aligned necessarily with their, their normal strategy. This is a this is a grab for ecosystem and yeah. for users that would not normally be particularly interested in SUSE. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to look at the future now. If Sousa is going to do more acquisitions because if it's just a one thing, then it's going to be a blip on the radar. They need to have a kind of either from internally generated new projects, generate new uh, hype, or have more acquisitions yeah. happening. Um, from the point of view of the rancher guys, you think it's, they always say nothing's going to change. People are going to say in their own teams and they'll be the same, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, even if that was the best intentions, it's never going to happen totally that way. There wasn't that much development happening in Rancher anymore the last couple of months, which is also a good thing because that means adoption was better because it was a more stable code base. And basically, they kind of were able to do what they were planning to do. Anything they were going to add at this point, I think, would have been a maybe feature creep or getting to that off big RV situation that uh, OpenShift's in at the moment. Um, so I'm kind of wondering if they're going to re retain their identity for a long time. It's, um, yeah, it's always sad if somebody disappears, of course. And they have a cool logo, so that's good too. <laughs> All right. Moving on, moving on. Um, the, uh, the next one up is a particularly... Uh, well, particularly terrible website, first of all. But it's a particularly... Um, awkward kind of article where some sort of new Maryland-based law requires uh, applicants to consent before facial recognition can be used uh, in job interviews. And I just, I just don't really, I don't really understand what the practical um, aspects of this new law um, are going to are going to enact. I mean, I guess the only thing that it does do is it means that if people do have, you know, cameras in interview rooms or cam or are recording interviews, they do need to notify you um, and get your consent before they can use whatever facial recognition technology they want to use, um, rather than just doing it on the recordings. You know, regardless of of what you say, but so it's great that it gives you the choice. But I can't really understand what it does beyond that because if 
if a company's policy is we're going to analyze all of our applicants' faces during the interviews and, and categorize them through that, then you, and you decline that, I mean, I, I can't imagine the chances are very high that you will necessarily get the job or surely you will be, you know, surely there will be a, a penalty against you for that. It so, shows initiative. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's another. I was going to say it's it's another. It's another terrible, terrible use of, sort of AI washing, um, in my opinion. I. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For me, the whole consent thing actually makes it worse because now it becomes a real thing. Before that. Mm. I mean, as long as it wasn't a law that meant that it was more of a, I don't know, easygoing, let's be friends amongst each other, can we do this? Not It was more approachable, let's say, but now that's a law, there becomes this kind of big thing in the room that is an issue, so it just gets everything worse. But uh, yeah, as you also said, there's a lot to unpack in the title here because using face recognition in job interviews in the first place, considering all of the things that's been going on in the last couple of well, months, a half year about face recognition doing pretty much its job, which is basically a machine trying to make sense of uh, pixels. It's one thing, but how does a facial recognition help in a application process? Because on the one hand, I can understand if you're going to be a salesman who has to be in a store and communicate you need to have communication skills you have to be certain that the person is going to be picking his nose every five seconds things like that and having a video recording of a mock interview kind of a role play thing yeah that could definitely help that's basically simulating working environment seeing if it works or not but what does facial recognition add on top of that i mean they're not doing this to 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 identify the applicant right that's not the idea. About no, it. no, I think so. I, I have looked at some of this terrible stuff before. And again, I'm not hugely informed in this space, but I think a lot of it is they're looking for some of the unconscious facial tics like Yon just now brushing his hair. You know, that clearly means that he is, um, you know, a psychopath. <laughs> and, uh, and, and should not be trusted in any way, shape, or form. Um, it works. It I, works. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's uh, those kind of, um, you know, that kind of analysis of the of the, the video. It's like it's looking for unconscious um, sort of ticks that reveal deeper things about a person's psyche or suitability for certain roles. That is what it is targeted at. That's yeah. what the marketing blurb all says. Yeah, I think the first time we talked about this article a couple of days ago, uh, your end reaction was that any company using this kind of stuff please. would not be a company that I would want to work for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess it would be useful for huge companies like, I don't know, an Amazon who has a gazillion warehouse people and picking out the ones that are supposedly going to be filling their pockets from stuff in the warehouse. But again, considering how what, bad, what a bad track record face recognition has just on the identification thing, if they cannot start to try to get these min, minute indication facial things, I don't see how this can be 
sold to people in the interview process as a trustworthy technology because i don't think face recognition ai is up to the up to the task for this at all but considering there's a law already out there apparently people are actually using this and i did a little search i didn't really find any companies that allegedly are using this so yeah i don't know i think it's one of the dangers of the whole artificial intelligence face recognition neural network things going running amok being used for stuff that somebody on a paper somewhere said might be useful but in real life a lot of investment a lot of money gets spent what's the practical use in the end very little to none i think very little yeah so maybe the, in fact if you if you search for like facial recognition amazon or facial recognition um ibm or facial recognition microsoft what you will what you will actually see is a whole bunch of quite recent articles in the mm -hmm. last couple of months about tech companies now limiting like yeah. police use of facial recognition and things like that and it, it's it, it's not particularly surprising given some of the um pretty terrible and atrocious outcomes that have come from yeah. from facial recognition recently and now we're we're sort of getting it in through the back door, if you like. We're sort of just putting it in slightly different places that are also going to very significantly affect potentially people's lives. Hmm. Yeah, a bit of a cynic there as well. I mean, if this technology actually worked flawlessly and these big companies were breaking in the millions selling this stuff, they wouldn't stop selling it. And the cynic in me is saying that they tried to sell this and now everywhere kind of turns out that it doesn't really work. Well, it, it works, but not good enough to actually be able to make conclusions out of the results so hey let's stop using this now and here's a nice reason why we can stop using it because we're now going to be ethical mm. and responsible about this technology and let's pull it back and that way we gain another five to ten years to maybe make something that actually works and again ai does work it's not that the, that the technology doesn't work it's just that the importance of on the on the results that people think that they get from artificial intelligence are hugely over overrated overestimated and that's the where well, you started this article review with uh, ai washing the whole hype around it and yeah. Mm, yeah it's a maturity thing i think so and there are plenty of companies trying to uh score a fast buck by saying that their their magical software can can do all sorts of fabulous things but mm. that is nothing unusual in this space. and by the way since we're talking about machine learning and this kind of this podcast is now also improved by artificial intelligence obviously <laughs> um i had to take a drink there because i was feeling slightly ill at the very thought of it oh i'm anyway, happy to leave, take a shower so that's good yeah moving on let's let's get away from the ai washing and uh, talk about the great unwashed instead. <laughs> yes, hackers, hacking things. Hackers doing what hackers do. Unsurprisingly, if you leave something deployed on the internet with a default security setting, it's going to get hacked. Oh, no, who'd have thought it? It wasn't even with the default security settings. It was with no security settings, just open, no passwords, no things, anything. And for me, when I found this one, it's just a reminder that we talk about data leaks all the time. And yes, it is a problem because in this case, this uh, guy, Paul Bischoff, he put up a, a database on the internet and just waited to see what was going to happen. 
And yeah, within hours, he got attacked and infiltrated. And remarkably as well, this is something I kind of wanted to scroll into view here, is that it's all coming from China, people. I know China gets a bad rap, and whether it's deserved or not, I'm going to leave other people much smarter and riskier than me to decide upon. But it's all over the world. I mean, for some reason, bad people don't really pay attention to borders on the map. And yeah, close by, this stuff, of course, was put on the internet in the US. And if you're going to do things like port scanning, you'll find the closer ones first. Basically, that's uh, law of economics, I guess. Not economics and financial economics and practicality and thing. So doesn't matter where you are, you will get uh, hacked and just blocking of a whole range of IP addresses isn't going to work either. It will happen to you anyway. So it's just... Yeah, yeah. Not, not to mention that most, I mean, most folks, even if they are coming from somewhere else, will be hopping through yet another location. So, yeah, it's, that, that sort of approach is pretty pointless. Yeah, that's the three main ways of um, the people, that, what they try to do with it. I mean, there was a, which surprised me, only one attack apparently attempted to delete everything. So it looks like just vandalism isn't in there anymore, and that's a change, because in the olden days, when uh, when I was young, and people were still hackers, real hackers, then the whole idea was to put your graffiti tag on the, on the database, and, well, destroying data was one of the things, the easy ways of doing that. But these days, people are just trying to get information to make money from. So deleting it is not what they want to do, because once you delete it, it becomes obvious you were there and people will close the doors. If you just take the information with credential thefts, yeah, then you can key, come back every month and get all of the updates as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't really... I'm, I'm trying to work out what... I mean, I, I know that the, the sort of the subheading of this was... Uh, was around if you think uh, living user data exposed online for just one day is no big deal, think again. But I, I can't really imagine who on earth would think that this is something that makes sense to do in the first place anyway. Like I, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm quite I'm quite down on this article because <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't tell us anything new at all it's just it's oh the internet's a scary place well yes and has been for a very long time when it comes to stuff like this if you leave your data exposed people are going to read it steal it break it you know welcome welcome to the world yeah but it happens every day i mean data leaks bring up on a daily basis almost so obviously not everybody's aware of the dangers there I mean, there's always new people get, getting into this, trying to make take a shortcut, just put it up there and look at the security tomorrow. It's faster, it's easier. I mean, I, and also big companies and legislation as well make it harder to do it secure. Because if you now are a big company and you want to deploy a new, a, a new service somewhere and you have to be fast, right? I mean, in this new technology marvelous world, you can't spend five months on a project before you go live because then you have three competitors already doing it instead of you. So you have to be fast. If I have to go to my CISO to make sure that all of the database layers and the RBAC and uh, other kind of controls and single sign-on is vetted, it takes weeks, if not months. So I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll launch first, get the market share. And, but yeah, I mean, yeah, your reaction is totally uh. correct. 
But I can imagine vividly, I wouldn't do it, I think. Again, it depends on realities, obviously. So it's easy to say, people, it's a, it's a dangerous place, be careful. Well, there's still murders and, and muggings and whatever happening in the seedy streets of cities as well. Well, people know they're bad areas, bad neighborhoods, don't go there after dark. I mean, yeah, not to get you down at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I'm just... I think that the to me this doesn't really address what I think is the the more sort of core issue. To me, this is just a a bit of a sensationalist piece. Yeah, as I say, ooh, look, the world is scary. Well, yes, of course it's scary if you leave everything open and you know unsecured. You're a muppet. So, <laughs> I think what is a better conversation to have and what i would have liked to have seen is you know how has this evolved over time like how difficult is it to deploy something with you know no security unless you make a deliberate effort to do so most things should have some level of security by default and you know what I would think is more interesting is how has that changed for a number of standard you know, databases or open source projects yep. or you know, whatever it might be. I think that would be an interesting article. That would be something I would like to to read mm. and to, to comment on. That's a good one because if I'm just thinking myself here, a lot of uh, bigger database solutions now have the idea of as long as it's uh, the, the, the daemon is only listening at, at localhost at 127.0.0.1, it can do whatever it wants, but the moment you put on a public IP address, even if it's in 192 or 10.0 or whatever, yeah. then it doesn't start up anymore unless you have users' credentials, TLS, stuff like that. So yeah. that becomes more and more a thing. But I think I know of at least one NoSQL database that's still pretty much, yeah, passwords are optional. <laughs> yeah, and that doesn't terribly surprise me either. But I, I, I think that is a more interesting article. Like how has the software industry responded to this changing ecosystem? Has it responded? You know, that, that I think would be that would have been a more interesting article. Not a not a huge fan of this particular one. Uh, I kinda like this. It's a nice I'm not gonna say it's a wake up call to the world, but it's a kind of awareness making thing again. So I think it's reasonable the guy did some work he put some hardware up some software up and published his results it's more than you get yep. from a lot of uh, university dissertations these days so yeah. it's not entirely worthless i think and the disadvantage of your idea of having a kind of overview of all of the solutions out there and how good or bad they are it's never going to be complete you're also going to be missing no, one or two I mean, when people are saying yeah, look at that so it's a lot more yeah. hard to get a good but you could together, you could pick some of the most commonly deployed tech out there and you could take a look at how the security of it is well anyway we're not talking about uh I disagree. hypothetical news rather than actual news um and unless you have anything else Nope, we're coming up to that famous half an hour mark, so take it away. Well, then that is all the time we have today. You can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution helps, makes all the YouTubes happen, and uh, we are on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, all the YouTube stuff. 
please go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and for more information about the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag, and you can send your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is Utterly Secure Dave. And my name is Alanie the Bathword. Yon. <laughs> oh, God. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you later.